0: Radio.
1: So Jason, again, if you push me, I will push you into a, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, shallow grave. That's really funny. That's the movie we're doing.
0: That is the movie we're doing. But before we start doing the movie, don't we usually have like a little segment where we have someone come in and say a few words and and you can just encourage us and then we go about doing the movie? is that
1: usually what we do? I mean, that's your job. Who do you got?
0: Well, I don't know how encouraging it's going to be. He insisted on being here. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's not a sir. Don't call him one because he'll fucking break your neck sean connery oh sir sean connery brent no i'm not a sir i've told you that i turned it down dame sean connery down because i don't take orders from a queen and now i certainly don't take orders from a king you see lady sean connery no i'm a fella lord connery no, I'm not. I'm not You see, I'm just a rich actor. We don't. I'm. St- I still consider myself somewhat working class, even though I was worth quite a bit of money at my death.
1: Mm. You did drive trucks rather well, sir. Uh, uh, what would you? Uh, how, what would you like to say? To, uh, I'm sure. Spread the word of encouragement and uh, positivity. Don't like that fellow that was in that movie I watched last week. Oh, uh, oh! You have some uh, something against Mads Nicholson? Yes, I don't
0: like. What is he Dutch?
1: Uh, I, Danish I think so I think he's I believe he is Danish sir he's Danish i
0: have never liked Danes
1: It could be Swedish I don't I'm sorry approve about it, so of I don't them
0: know. have you ever seen a Dane act before monsters have you ever seen one on
1: the screen uh I mean famously Hamlet is about a a, a Dane
0: okay but did, but did they ever have a Danish guy play Hamlet
1: uh, I I don't I uh, probably
0: that would be that would be fantastic.
1: I thought you just said you hated them. I should see if I can them. mount that.
0: I should see if I can mount that in Republican Heaven. Do you think people would
1: go along with that sort of thing? You just said you hated them, sir.
0: Oh uh, no, no, I, 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 I'm I, I fine with fictional Danes, but not real
1: Danes. Okay.
0: Anyway, the so point was. What is your that take on James Great
1: what, Sir? Sorry, what is your take on Great Danes, the dogs?
0: Fantastic racing animals. Okay. And great fighters. Okay you ever bet on a dogfight, Brendan? Uh, not recently. I'll take you sometime. Point was, the reason I'm here is that you watch this James Bond movie with a fellow who claims to be James Bond. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that Daniel Craig is making a direct claim that he is, in fact, James Bond. Yes. He said it out loud. Correct. To people. Yes. Like you. Yes. And me. Well, Yes. He said it right to my face. He said, you know what, Sean? And I said, what's that, Mr. Craig? Because I'm respectful and he's not. And he said, I'm James Bond now. And I'll always be James Bond. And I said, no, I'm James Bond. And then we got into a fist fight. And I killed him. I murdered him. I killed him right there in the middle of Hollywood theater,
1: uh, the Chinese theater. I killed him. I took his eyes out and I killed him. Jason, does he know that Daniel Craig is still alive?
0: I can hear you talking. Mr. Connery, there's no possible way. I mean, Daniel Craig is clearly still alive. He went into being be three more James Bond movies. No, 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 you don't get it. I killed him. And then the globalists who run the world, and don't, don't stop me, that's true. Don't you say fuck all, it's true. The globalists who run the world, they cloned him, see? Wait like a they second. did with Paul McCartney and
1: like they did with Avril Lavigne. Wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. Let's pull that... Let's see who you really are. I,
0: I, you don't need to do that. You don't need to... Oh, I've been found out. I've been found out. God damn it. I thought I, I thought I could get to you. I thought I could get through to all you through Sean Connery. And I come on this program and I just get... I I, I get unmasked. I, I didn't intend on this. All right.
1: All right. Get out of here, you son of a
0: bitch. Oh, Jimmy Stewart. I... I let me tell you, Mister Stewart. I I, I I love all your movies, and I watch them all the time. And I, I really like Vertigo because I never was a fan of Heights myself.
1: Well, globalist love Heights. Oh you know, know you, you know where Mister Smith is going? It's going right in your kisser.
0: Oh, oh, oh
1: Mister, I'll go. I'll go. I can't. I can't do this right now.
0: I can't do this right now. But you're a globalist, Jimmy Stewart. You're a globalist. Jotpack. Wait. So I invited Dead Sean Connery on this show. But dead Sean Connery was being impersonated by real life Alex Jones. Yes, we we normally notice the difference between the dead and the living. What happened? That was a failure. That was a three axis failure, Brendan, on your part, on my part, and on Jim's part.
1: Uh listen, he was wearing he was wearing ghost face I don't I don't know. I mean, it, okay, it's not it, cool. It was, it was really good ghost face? It's not cool in twenty twenty two. No. Okay? no. Listen, back no. in my day, you know, once in a while, people wore a ghost face. You ever seen Harvey? There was an imaginary rabbit. That was cool back then, but now you'd have to get a real imaginary rabbit to play him. Well, you don't want to take work away from that rabbit. No, no, no. Anyway, boys, I apologize on my behalf. Uh, well, thanks, Jim. I, I'm not going to apologize on anyone else's behalf. Try
0: but- to be better in the future. you got worry about you got to worry about keeping <coughs> Alex Jones out and Dennis Miller. If you could just keep those two guys out, we'll be good.
1: Okay, but the but the but the parlor guy's fine, right?
0: No, yeah, they'll keep him out too. Fuck that guy. But he makes me laugh, Jason. I know he
1: makes you laugh. He makes me mad. Okay, i well, we'll go well, back. You to... won't
0: give me Parlor Plus.
1: Listen, that's a premium subscription. You know it. I'm gonna go this... back to the door. You boys, uh, you boys, just start the show there. Uh, yeah, we really should. We still got. We're seven minutes
0: in. Let's fu- let's stop this.
1: <laughs> this we gotta get started. We have serious business. This is a podcast called screen and Quintry. Jason, what the hell do the two of us do on this podcast?
0: we talk about movies mainly uh this time we did the bfi and we did uh, some canadian films and we've done lots of other british films we generally tend to focus on films of a british nature and irish let's not look we always say british but we do mean irish too i don't mean that as an insult to the irish we love you but unfortunately uh you're culturally tied to these people so that's how it is
1: that's how it is you sign we watch all these movies
0: we watch all these movies because we need an excuse to watch good movies, and we may as well watch movies that aren't American because there's lots of podcasts to talk about American movies. Only Brendan and I are brave enough to talk about British film.
1: Nobody else is saying it, but British film has taken over the world. Who ruled Nobody the world? stepped up. Who ruled the world? British film. That's right. They're coming for us, Brendan, but we can't
0: stop. And that's why we need your money. We need your money. Alex Jones, get out of here. Oh, I just I slipped back in. Ah, oh, I'm getting out of here. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, oh, I, love, I love your movies, Sam.
1: Yeah. bike Zoom to the moon, pal. Okay.
0: Well, you know what? I mean, Alex is gone. But, you know, if you want to give us money that you would have given to Alex, we'd really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and if you want some, like, bullshit energy drinks, I guess we can conjure something up for you. We could probably, we,
0: we, we could piss into some club soda and send it to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm already doing it right now. If you want me to bottle it and sell it, you're, I'm in.
0: There Let's is
1: a market for everything. But no, Jason, that is not our main goal on this program.
0: Isn't it something movie related? This,
1: Yes, it is. This week we yeah. are talking about a film on the Empire Top 100 British film list as we progress through it. We are talking about number 26 on that list. Which is uh, a, a filmmaker we've grown quite familiar with on this show, yes. uh, Mr. Daniel Boyle, and uh, he directed a film called Shallow Grave. And before we talk about Shallow Grave, though, we should read some comments from some listeners regarding last week's film, and that would be, of course, Casino Royale.
0: Boyle, well,
1: well, well, well. Jason, comments are a thing that have been around since the beginning of time.
0: I believe the first comment was made in 1412. Oh, what was that comment? By the, by the Duke of Burgundy, uh-huh. who approached the, uh, the the current reigning king of France. Okay. And his comment was, uh, I like your robe, uh, but I think it would be better with a few extra sequins. And he was subsequently executed. Oh, wonderful.
1: And that was the first comment ever.
0: That was the first comment. And in fact... Uh, it's, it's uh, the history books note that when he walked up to make that comment the fir- actual the, the very first thing he said was and he, he screamed this at the king was
1: first oh oh okay now I understand uh, yeah the people are just making uh, reference to it then
0: yeah no it's oh. it's what it's been yeah no it wasn't it, 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 there was one extremely literate historical student that made that reference and I guess people are
1: referencing him certainly but, wait, uh, wait, wait 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 so do people not talk before 1412? No,
0: no. It was uh, people. People didn't comment. People would ask questions and they would get answers, but that was it. There was no comments. You 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 would ask a question, you would get an answer, but there was no commentary allowed.
1: See, I thought the first person to ever talk was Al Jolson because I only got all my knowledge from movies. So I'm yes, this is uh, a learning uh, experience for me too.
0: I mean, certainly when it comes to people who spoke, Al Jolson up there, but no, uh, it did exist before. <laughs>
1: One of our great speakers, Al Jolson. One of our great speakers, yes, absolutely. A
0: man important in the speaking
1: realm. That's right. <laughs> but Jason, we do have some comments about Casino Royale. We talked about that last week. Um, shall I start? Go for it, buddy. Well, we are going to start off with Ryan Sirodi and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. I have said it many times, and I don't. I'm not confident that I got it right yet.
0: I think it's pronounced Throat wobbler Mangrove.
1: Oh, that's... Oh, okay. There's a silent T there. I'm not seeing. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says, Casino Royale is a fantastic Bond film. It was needed for that character in a big way. The Broccolis saw what the Bourne films did, and they saw that they were out-bonded by Damon. I'm glad they shucked Brosnan. Worst Bond IMO. Ooh, we'll have to... Come back to that for a second. And grounded Bond in the real world. I like that Craig's Bond was fallible and screwed up. He was perfect for the 21st century. His tenure had peaks and valleys, mostly valleys, but a good overall arc for the character. I grew up with Connery and still my favorite for the bygone era, but Craig crushed it. Hot take on Brosnan.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I can't personally agree with that because Brosnan is my Bond. He was the the Bond that brought me into the franchise. Um but I and I don't even think any of them are bad. Now to be fair, I have not seen um Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Ever. Although I hear that is a good one. No, just for whatever reason wow. I've never watched that that specific one. There's probably a couple of Bond movies I haven't actually seen, but
1: Hm. That never happened to the other fella because I watched it. he just
0: like and then he just like moved on with his life and like went surfing and shit it was great yeah he he did uh he
1: was in um that other bond-esque movie with uh gene simmons and Uh, john stamos kiss
0: or the uh, the lady
1: (laughs) not gene simmons the british actress um no uh starring john stamos and uh Gene Simmons. I don't know why I can't think of the name of it. You can check out my other podcast and try to guess what it is, because I don't remember.
0: Oh, okay. Well, damn. I guess you got to take your work where you can get it. Uh, we have we have a slightly differing opinion with our next comment, Brendan. This comes from one Patrick C. Taylor, Hold on. who writes... Hold
1: on. Never Too Young to Die. Continue. Okay. That's the name uh, of the movie. Rob.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what are, what are we doing yeah.
1: here? Patrick Taylor, Never Too Young to Die. No, I would never say that, Patrick. Um, no, Pat- Patrick C. Taylor
0: is 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 very old, and he won't die. Uh, and he writes, It seems like they looked at the success of the first two Bourne films and decided to crib that, but all the while keeping journeyman director Martin Campbell at the helm. The resulting film felt like it had one foot squarely in the lame braininess of 90s Bond films. Well, Patrick, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I, I think, yeah, it was a weird to keep Martin Campbell on, but he... I mean, obviously he adjusted. Yeah, he changed. Like, like <laughs> Casino Royale is a very different movie, both in how it's made and how it looks, than something like Goldeneye. Yeah. And I love Goldeneye, don't get me wrong, but they're very different.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see that. I, I don't see that. I'm sorry. Like the, I don't see any of that. Like goofy. Stuff. I mean, for better or worse, these are pretty serious Bond movies that Daniel Craig did. Um, There's certainly some moments of levity in them, but uh, especially this one more so than the next one, which is very dour. But I would say that um, I would say, yeah, I don't really see the uh, I don't really see that uh, that lame braininess.
0: I mean, like, look, there's no way, especially having if you've watched Die Another Day at any point, like comparing that and where Bond was in that movie yeah. to where it ended up in Casino Royale. I mean, it's night and day. It's it's insane. Yeah, it's he had gone a long way. And now again, don't get me wrong, I love I love Pierce Brosnan. But Goldeneye is maybe the only actually really good one. Yeah. Of my opinion. Well, Although I do like Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, and I forgot to mention the last thing he wrote was Skyfall was the film I wanted Casino Royale to be. So uh, don't think that Patrick Taylor doesn't like Daniel Craig as James Bond. He just for him Skyfall was the movie that he wanted. And good for him. And we'll get there. Uh, Patrick, don't worry.
1: Maybe next week. Maybe. We'll find
0: out. The the wheel wants what the wheel wants.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, well, Keith O'Neill says, To me, it was a brand new take on James Bond. With Die Another Day, it got way too goofy and absurd. I know they were also trying to tap into the Jason Bourne crowd with this one, and it worked. Yes, a lot of Jason Bourne references, I, I feel that. I feel that Jason Bourne definitely changed uh the action spy movie again for better or worse because you get movies that are like oh integrating that in a really cool way like casino royale and then you get move like you know a lot of pale imitators of it i
0: was gonna say even beyond that though like the, those board movies were incredibly uh uh influential on just about anybody making an action movie mm-hmm. of any extent where there's where there's like fight scenes and stuff like it's 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 funny to think back because I, I like that Jason Bourne movie I haven't seen it in probably you know twenty years, but like who who would have thought that that movie would be so like such an oor movie of modern cinematic style?
1: Very influential. I mean, I think it's yeah. if we were talking about American uh, films on a top one hundred list, I think oh, it should sure. be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, it's very important. Yeah. Uh, so what do we got here? Oh, we have another comment. No. That's from one Sharon Horwat. Oh! I had to get Sharon here. We put her right in the middle yeah. so she could let us know. Out of all the Bond films I've seen, I think it is the best, and it is the best of Craig's as well. I still don't really like the James Bond franchise, but this one is pretty good. So, a uh, uh, half-hearted thumbs up on Sharon Horwat's part.
1: Well, there you go. And, and, and again... And I shouldn't say again, but we have someone saying, don't really care for these movies in general, but this one's a good one. And then we have people saying, this is my favorite one, and I've seen them all. So it's kind of all over the map. It kind of shows you why this movie was so successful.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. ultimately, I think it's a it's a well-constructed, well-acted uh, piece of cinema.
1: Yeah. Whether you like Bond or not, I think you can argue that. It's just a great movie. Um, yeah. Okay. And I apologize in advance. Uh, Retis Beldaves says... My favorite Bond, I didn't really care for any of the later Craig films.
0: And those movies have, uh, I haven't seen, I think I've, I've seen Skyfall previously.
1: I know people love but, Skyfall. I know the general consensus on Skyfall is that it's really good up there with Casino Royale. I've never seen it.
0: Yeah, and I've not seen any of the other ones. I, I, I mean, I remember liking Skyfall. Um, but yeah, they, they're divisive. I think, yeah some people like them some people don't so i think but that's kind of like that's bond i mean like who how many actually universally beloved bond movies are there yeah maybe it's gold goldfinger for sure goldfinger goldeneye uh, casino royale is pretty close maybe goldeneye at least if you're a 90s kid um but beyond that definitely
1: like, moonraker uh probably octopussy <laughs> oh obviously die another, another day, day.
0: never again the greatest one of all
1: yeah uh, well, I was gonna say um, I, th- I feel like Quantum of Solace got pretty negative reviews. I feel like Spectre was a little bit mixed, but I feel like No Time mm-hmm. to Die did moderately positive. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course Skyfall and uh, Casino Rao were both pr- pretty uh, pretty much well liked universally. Um, yeah. What's our next comment, Jason?
0: Our next comment, Brendan, comes from one Teague Dwyer who writes, huge Bond fan. I have this one on uh, as my second or third favorite of them all, depending on my mood. It's interchangeable at the top with "From Russia with Love" and "On Her Majesty's Secret Service." I will say, there is a middle section of Casino Royale that's a bit plodding, but you forgive it once it comes to its breathless climax. The best Craig film without blinking. Now I get that, but I don't find it drags for me personally.
1: Yeah, I that I originally thought that. The card, the card scene is, I'm I'm sure, what Teague is referring to here. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, I'm, sor- I'm sorry, but it seems like it. But I originally, looking back, thought, oh, I think the card game sequence is really long, and I think it kind of makes the movie slow. But looking back at it, it's really not. Like, it's chopped you- up really well. It's, like, edited really well. The tension is there. So, I- Do you know what has happened in the interim, Brendan? What's that?
0: You watched Barry Lyndon, and you watched that final scene, the duel scene. Mm-hmm. And you understood that sometimes tension takes time. And then you saw
1: this movie, and you were like, I get it. <laughs> Barry Lyndon, great movie. Great movie. Um, and I was just about to say, and we'll never cover it on this show, as if we cover bad <laughs> movies. I forgot what podcast I'm on.
0: Yeah, no, no. It, it, we'll, we'll
1: probably never cover it because it's not a British film. True. Although, yeah. Yeah. Um, Our last comment comes from Vincent Franconi. I'm sure it's just Franco, Uh But either way, Vincent, I love your name. It,
0: it, it's, it's okay to put a little stank on a name like that.
1: Vincent, let's put some stank on you, Vincent. Uh, and he simply says, it's the pinnacle of genital torture films.
0: Well, yeah. I mean... As far as all the genital torture I've seen in movies, yeah, it's definitely the most memorable. You know
1: what's sad is if I really, if I sat down and thought about it, I could probably <laughs> think of like three or four genital torture movies that I've seen. You've, you've seen a lot of movies in your life. And I've seen a lot of movies that people told me not to watch for my own sanity. And I said, challenge accepted.
0: And here we are. and Look at you now. Look at me now, world. Wow. Take a look at me
1: now. Na, 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 na. I'm watching genital torture on screen, and I'm loving it,
0: loving it. That's not a that's not a that's not a screening I want to be at.
1: <laughs> genital torture festival. It's the, it's my favorite uh, theme night at the Alamo Draft House. <laughs>
0: I thought it was weird that they started doing like a review where they just took all these different scenes from a genital torture uh, uh, seeds in yeah. movies and then edited them all together to a musical accompaniment uh, and then dancing girls. Well,
1: dude, Quentin Tarantino has some wild screening nights, okay? You got to go <laughs> into one of these.
0: Yeah, I don't know that my nose can handle
1: <laughs> it. Because <Genital>, uh, <laughs> of all the great scents in the air?
0: Well, I, that's not a place I want to smell either. I tell you that maybe there's a maybe there's a good reason they all do cocaine because
1: I don't want to smell what's around them. Genital torture Tuesday at the old Tarantino terrain. The the
0: whatever that whatever that the theater blah whatever that theater he owns and uh, is it the New Beverly the New Beverly I think that's what it's called maybe or
1: you can go rent it at his video archive store in his house which I am very jealous of. He's got his own video store. He bought the video store that he worked at as a as a teenager and he built like a whole section of his house to look like the store oh I thought he was gonna like maybe move the store brick by brick nope and he's got the whole tape collection
0: too which is cool but also he's a film snob why would he ever want to watch a videotape
1: ever again he's, he watches them all the time
0: like, like it'd be one thing if you wanted to watch like a like an old horror movie or something for the vibe of it maybe but like dude he, there's really no reason to watch a videotape he
1: watches VHS tapes all the time he has a whole podcast about it with Roger Avery uh, it's great wait.
0: Oh, Roger Avery. I thought you said Roger Ebert for a no. second. I was like, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> Roger Rabbit.
0: <laughs> First off, Roger Ebert is dead, and second off, if he wasn't dead, his voice is a computer.
1: Well, br- recently. Anyway, you know what? This Anyways, is a downer. Let's. This is, this is a long digression. Let's move on. We need to talk about this week's movie. We need to talk about Sir Danny Boyle, Sir Daniel Boyle, and we need to talk about Shallow Grave. Out in the
0: wilds of the earth, there is a hole in the ground, but that hole isn't deep enough, and that's the real issue that we're going to explore in this film is how deep holes are, and this film is called Shallow Grave, Shallow Grave, how deep is that hole, Shallow Grave, it's not deep enough.
1: And after that lilting, upbeat dirge of a tune, it can only mean one thing, we are talking about, like I said, we are talking about Danny Boyle's... Uh, Big screen debut. Nineteen really? Yeah, 1994's Shallow Hal. Wait. <laughs> In this movie, Ewan McGregor gets really fat, and uh, Christopher Eccleston uh, loves him for who he is. Now, Fantastic. this movie is called Shallow Grave. It stars Ewan McGregor, Christopher Eccleston, and Carrie Fox as wait, our wait, three wait, leads. Wait, 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 Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on a sec. I watched a movie called Shallow Grave that stars Tony March and Lisa Stahl. Are we talking about the same movie?
1: We are not, Jason. Oh, then
0: this might be a problem. Okay. Um, I guess this movie's not British, so why would I watch it? I don't know. I just, I assumed, and I was wrong.
1: Well, if you if you want, uh, I can give you uh, about uh, ninety eight minutes right now if you want to go watch it. Okay.
0: You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on uh, uh 20x and I think I'll absorb it all. Hold on a second.
1: Okay, go ahead. I'll, be, I'll wait.
0: Okay, I'm back. I have a headache, but I think I get it. Okay.
1: Perfect. Thank you. That bit brought to you today by Old Hat.
0: So we're talking about this week's movie, Cradle to the Grave.
1: Oh God! No, go back.
0: Oh. Okay. W- one sec. Okay, now I have a really bad headache, but I think I get it. Okay, perfect. Start us off. All right, All right I'm ready to go, Brennan. We're gonna talk about this week's movie The Shallows, starring Blake Lively and a Shark.
1: Uh, okay, go again. Hold on a sec.
0: Okay, I think I'm good. This is this has got uh this has got Hugh McGregor. Yeah. And he has roommates, and one of them is Doctor Who. Yes. Awesome. And the other one We're is Ray Fox. Terry Fox? I, I thought I thought the person had two legs. Oh dear. That's a fun joke for our Canadian listeners.
1: Yeah. It's a classic. It's really one of those classic vo- Canadian vaudeville jokes. <laughs> Carrie Fox? I thought she had right. two legs. Well, hey! Okay. So anyway, <laughs> this movie uh, is is uh, it, like, it's, like I said, it's Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle had Ooh. done some TV up to this point, uh, but this is his big screen feature debut shallow grave has there been a filmmaker who in his
0: debut film in the very first like sequence of the movie has so clearly defined himself no in this way because the 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 fast moving quick cuts under like 90s techno music it's like well there's danny boyle kind of in a nutshell right there even though most of this movie isn't like that i mean that is that is an aesthetic that i associate with danny
1: boyle the most recent movie we watched of his was *Slumdog Millionaire*, and he and in *Slumdog Millionaire*, if I watched this movie and *Slumdog Millionaire*, I would say, oh, that mm-hmm. they're both the same director. Yeah, like yeah, he,
0: yeah, you have that similar music, but it's got that Indian flavor too. Like, but it's but got, even that, it's not kind of thumping dance music.
1: But not even that. Just the style right yeah. away. You get his style right away. His his flashy editing. His mm-hmm. his kind of jump cuts. His. Uh, the camera is like constantly moving. He even like in this movie, and he's he says he's done it in every one of his movies at least once. Is he has that fisheye shot? Yes. That he said he he said he did it in this movie, and then he just wanted to do it in every movie. So yeah. there you go.
0: Well, and it's interesting too because I mean, obviously, you know, Train Spotting was one of the. I don't know, was the net was that the next movie he did, or was that? Uh...
1: It was two years after this, so I would have to think that that is his second film.
0: But you can you can clearly see like Train Spotting very much being an amped up version. In this. terms of like
1: the style uh, yeah. that this movie is
0: pioneering.
1: Certainly I would say that there was less of a budget here. Not that train spotting yes. is a big budget no. <laughs> cinematic blockbuster, but Train Spotting
0: say... went really hard stylistically, uh, in a way that was built kind of built from this movie, but this movie just didn't have the resources to do, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say that the, yeah, I would say that this movie has a um, smaller budget. But I would say that it's pushing the same kind of um the same kind of flair as train spotting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A flair for the gold, if you will. A woo? A woo. Let's continue. continue to honor Ric Flair. There's
0: nothing he's ever done that is possibly controversial or problematic.
1: Nope. Everything he does is okay with me.
0: That's right. Rick us us get the Ric Flair
1: seal of approval. <laughs> But yes, this movie, Jason, this is one of those movies, despite having been directed by Danny Boyle, and despite starring Ewan McGregor and someone I know a little less of, but I still know of him, Christopher Eccleston, mm-hmm. I had never even heard of this movie.
0: No, I'd I forgot over the over the break I'd forgotten what the relevance of this movie was, and it's just Shallow Grave sounds like it should be a slasher movie, like what the nineteen eighty seven Shallow Grave seems to be. So I didn't really know what to expect, but then when I saw you McGregor show, I'm like, oh, right, this is the movie with Danny Boyle. Okay, I got you, the Danny Boyle movie. So I, was, I knew I was in for a treat anyways.
1: Yeah, and um, what you I guess what you can expect from most Danny Boyle films, other than Slumdog Millionaire, but admittedly, even that movie gets a little dark, but I mean, I guess in most of his movies, you know, it gets pretty dark and twisted. Um, I mean, even Steve Jobs, even the Steve Jobs movie is not exactly up, uplifting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nor should it be.
1: No, he was not a nice man, um, but a genius.
0: Yeah, and marketing. <laughs> mm,
1: he invented everything, Jason. He built it with his hands. He did he did? He, he worked in.
0: Sat in the background and ate candies.
1: He worked in all his factories. Personally built
0: every last original iPhone himself.
1: Yes. So, Jason, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. Well, actually, before you tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, I want to mention some of the other cast. We have Ken Stott as a detective inspector. We have Keith Allen as Hugo. Keith Allen you may know as father of singer Lily Allen. Oh, and someone Danny Boyle was warned against when he cast him, saying, really? "He is going to be a difficult person for you to film." And Danny Boyle said, "I was pleasantly surprised by how easy it was for to film him." <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe that person just is uh, shitty <laughs> to uh, Keith Allen, and Keith Allen just wants basic respect. Who knows? Well, look, look,
1: yeah, looking around at Keith Allen's history, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a bit rough around the edges. But yeah, he he uh, he said he didn't have a hard time with him. He plays Hugo. Uh, I...
0: I suppose to his advantage, he's not in this movie a whole lot.
1: No. Although we do see his dick. We uh, Plain as day. Yeah. Kudos. Right kudos right there, to you. Uh, we um, get Colin McCready making a brief appearance as Cameron. Yes. Uh, we have,
0: I have questions about that, but we'll talk about
1: it. You've got uh, uh, Gary Lewis as one of the uh, potential flatmates. Uh, Jason, uh, before we went on the air, Jason identified Gary Lewis as...
0: Uh, He was the father in Billy Elliot, and he has a very tiny role in this movie.
1: Yes. And then finally, last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Peter Mullen as Andy, uh, a thug who who is uh, searching for Hugo and his money. And and Peter Mullen, of course, is the lead from My Name is Joe.
0: Oh, shit. I didn't put that together. I knew that name sounded familiar. Crazy.
1: Yeah, so there you go. And, of course, directed by Danny Boyle, we've talked about... Train Spotting. Uh, 28 Days Later, we talked about uh, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. And I think this is our fourth Danny Boyle film. I feel like there might yeah. be another one in there somewhere.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: I'm about well, to we find Trainspotting out. Train Spotting 2. Train Spotting 2. That was the one. That's the one. Yep. <sighs> so, Jason, tell us, tell us, tell us basically what this movie's about.
0: Well, the, the, the upshot of this movie is that it's about a group, of, uh, a group of roommates looking for a new roommate to join them in an apartment, and they find one, and then he mysteriously dies. They're not really involved in it, uh, but he mysteriously dies, and they find a large briefcase full of cash in his room, and so rather than report this death to the police, they decide to keep the cash and deal with the body, and that kind of spins out into the... Uh, excitement and fun and thrills and chills and spills that then happen over the course of the rest of the film. This is a kind of a classical uh, thriller, I would say, but mm-hmm. it's also, it's not just like, it's not just, I mean, it, it is comedic too. It's quite funny at points. It gets darker like as Boyle. it goes. It gets darker
1: yeah. as it goes.
0: It definitely gets darker as it goes. And we've and these, these three main characters are interesting. So we've got David, who's played by Christopher Eccleston. He's, you know, a button down... Chartered accountant. He's
1: because... he's who I thought the sympathetic lead was going to be for the first twenty minutes. I thought, okay, this is our guy.
0: I argue there's not a sympathetic
1: lead. No, but, no, uh... but but more than the others, I'd say. I thought yeah, he was well, going to be at least the one that we were like yes. most concerned for.
0: So so Dave, we have so yeah. So initially we have David, who yeah, very buttoned down, very regular guy. He's a chartered, he's a chartered accountant. accountant, which of course, as we know from all British humor, uh, that the chartered accountant is the most boring job.
1: Didn't they say? Isn't there a joke in this movie or something where they say like it's the most boring, but you're effective? And he's like, "Are you calling me no, boring?" Well, he's, he's
0: like, "But you know, we're not, we're not very exciting, but we get the job done, and you get the job done." He's like, "Are you saying I'm boring?" And no, you get the job done.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, so that's Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston,
0: and then his girlfriend, of course, is uh, Juliet, played by Carrie Fox, who now, is a doctor, I guess.
1: Now you say girlfriend, but
0: well, they seem to be in a relationship
1: of sorts. They seem to be in a very open, one-sided open relationship.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, is there any any obvious... I mean, we have that moment on the dance floor where she kind of steps on Alex's face and he looks up her dress and kind of kisses her foot, but... Or are they actually having something going on? No,
1: I don't think she ever actually cheats on him. But I get the feeling right away from the beginning that... And this is not me saying, you know... This is not me criticizing or making a point or anything, but well, I'm making a point, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. um, right from the beginning, I think the movie alludes right away that this is a character who will cling on to whatever she thinks is the winning side. I yes. think, I think we can and safely that... say that.
0: And then, and then to, to come, we'll circle right back to that. But then we also we have Alex, who is the, the kind of the he seems younger than David. He's a journalist, I guess, a hack journalist. You and McGregor, played by Ewan McGregor
1: and he says he's, he's a hack journalist he doesn't he says he doesn't journalist. pretend that he's anything but
0: no and he's a bit out there he's very outgoing he's very loud he has a very strange sense of humor and we have these three characters that are living together for some reason and so when this movie opens the initial opening sequence is them trying to find a roommate and this is when we see colin mccready for the first time who's just you know this nice little nerdy guy who comes in to see about the room and they like interrogate him uh about a bunch of stuff and then they tell him to fuck off basically they're very patronizing to him and send him off and they have a big laugh over it and i'm like what are they doing i don't get it are these all awful people and i guess yeah it turns out that he's just laying pipe because they are all awful people So they interview the guy and they send him on his way, and they're very patronizing to him, and they all have a big old laugh. And it's like, are these, like, that really struck, it really, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm like, are these fucking people terrible? It turns out, yeah, Danny Boyle's just laying some pipe because these are all terrible people. <laughs> we learned in the course of this movie. All three of them for different reasons.
1: Jason, I have to ask you right off the yep. bat because this comes up right here. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a sensitive subject, so I, I'm going to say it as delicately as possible. Okay what kind of redhead representation does this movie have right from the get-go? Because this this poor little guy is this little redhead character, and he gets abused. But, I mean, the movie's not pretending that he's a little weirdo. It's it's saying, saying, you know, it's very sad. So do you feel like the movie is working in your interest here? When it
0: comes around later on, and um, he beats the fuck out of uh, 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 Alex. Sure, yeah. It all works out for the best.
1: So it passes the recdale test.
0: Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Perfect. A redhead is insulted, but then that redhead then gets revenge. But so it all there, works there?
1: But are there, But but there aren't two redheads that talk to each other that is not just about a person that without red hair.
0: That's a good point. And uh, uh, yeah, there's not how many how many movies outside of like Raggedy Ann have more than one redheaded
1: character <laughs> that talk to each other about a person that that has red hair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I exactly. I gotta. I feel like. Three percent of all movies pass the Rechtel test. It's a very, it's a very slim number. It's a very exclusive club.
0: By the way, that's now called the uh, the, the 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 Jason test. Yeah, it's it's actually
1: named after me, Jason. It's like getting into Studio Fifty Four in the seventies. It's real exclusive, but the the, cocaine, but the drugs are good. Drugs are good. You heard it here first from Brendan Wall. Kids, drugs are good. Kids do all the drugs.
0: This has been a message from the government. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> yes. Pre- what government? I didn't say. <laughs>
1: Premier Blaine Higgs on drugs. Use them. <laughs> Do them all. Use
0: them, kids. Data be damned.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're okay with the representation? That's good. But yes, uh, Danny Boyle dares to take his first movie, his first movie, and <clears throat> immediately is like fuck you every character's unlikable yeah except for, for... lesser's le- david lesser so than the other two at first
0: yeah because david seems normal i guess he he's
1: she has like
0: the... got she she's got it she's got she feels like she's got something going on and he's just alex is just nuts out of the gate he just feels crazy
1: alex feels like uh not super far removed from his character in train spawning to the point where i was like Where's the scene where he does heroin? Because <laughs> he's just as nope. wild as that guy. But there's no, but there's no drugs in this movie. There's no drugs. There's no guns. Danny Boyle nope. made it. Uh, apparently went went out of his way to make sure there were no guns in this movie because he wanted it. To, he felt like the moment he puts guns in it, it gets Americanized. It gets fetishized, and he wanted to make it. Uh, that's yeah. He, he said that in an interview apparently. Didn't need any. Now, I was, I was actually shocked. I didn't think about it while watching it, but after I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, shit, there wasn't a single fucking gun.
0: Yeah, didn't think about it, though, because it's like thugs beating up people. I mean, there's been plenty of movies where that's involved, and the guns don't come out till later.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in this movie, like you said, uh, they finally do land uh, a flatmate named Hugo, this big hulking tower of a man, uh, played by Lily Allen's papa, and he croaks pretty much right away. They find him naked. We see his uh, moderate-sized penis. and That's where Lily Allen came from. <laughs> we see her beginnings right there. Yep. Well, <laughs> Lily assume, Allen, colon, origins. Well, I mean, Lily Allen would have been born already, so we see like the same vessel which she emerged from. That's right. Um,
0: <laughs> her, her mother was not involved in this at all.
1: No, no it was just Keith, just Keith Allen just shot her out. That's right. to the world. Like a goddamn bullet. <laughs> she sprouted like a fucking plant. Um but we see Keith Allen, we see his penis, and they go in and they find this massive briefcase of money. So this is where the whole crux of the movie is. I'm on they have the money. They're like what do we do with this money? Um obviously, you know, it, it's very much like uh, uh one of my favorite movies is called The, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same idea there where they find a bunch of money and they slowly start turning on each other yeah. uh very much the same as the sam raimi film called uh, a simple plan yep. in which they start to, billy bob thornton and uh they find money and they start turning on each other a great movie by the way if you haven't seen a simple plan fucking watch it it's i fantastic. Mean, this
0: is one of the great cinematic tropes one of the great like basis of movies of people coming into a bunch of money and then the breakdown because yeah. it always happens, it's well, almost inevitable. Because money, Brennan, is a poison.
1: But even some movies, they're not even. It's not even money that's the basis of it. Like I don't know if you ever seen. Uh, there's a movie from the late '90s called "Very Bad Things," yes, in which they I'm all go to Vegas. Yeah, they all go to Vegas, and through a series of events, uh, they end up killing a prostitute um and then the rest of the movie they go back home and you know they've covered their tracks but the rest of the movie is some people are getting paranoid some people are telling others to shut up they start they literally start killing each other yeah um and it's like so it's the same idea but yeah like you said that trope is not new um it was in a 1950s humphrey bogart movie for god's sakes I gotta say too, my favorite thing about the treasure of the Sierra Madre, just to get off topic for a second, is when Humphrey Bogart was asked about the movie apparently in like a pr- press release prior to it coming out, and they were like, "Oh, you're always playing these heroes," and apparently Humphrey Bogart just looked at the camera and said, or looked at the interviewer and said, uh, "Oh, wait to see my next picture. I play a real son of a bitch." <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's not an old thing, and. Uh, I want to ask you Jason, I want to ask you what you now now I'm asking you having this not having this happen so who knows if you would really do this. We don't know what yeah. how we would react. But how do you no. how what would you do?
0: <laughs> Realistically skim skim enough off the top that I thought I could get away with and then call the police.
1: Now, we quickly learned in this movie that this is not just like a thing where it's not only the thing where they're going to turn on each other and this is going to cause chaos, but it's mob money. Yeah, and they don't what I know think, that. They don't know that. But what I think the movie does really well, and really, it's a really interesting way of doing it. Instead of telling us and having scenes where they're like, "Oh, I'm after fucking Hugo and he's got the money," we cut back and forth. We're like, as they're as they're fucking getting rid of Hugo's body, which is their first mistake. Take yeah. the money and then just call the cops and be like, "Dude killed himself." Get the money I, out of there. <laughs> I don't... Th- but they're so... But again, these characters are established. They're not, they're not super bright. Uh, they're obnoxious. They're not good they people. Think,
0: they think they're smart. Those are the best... They're dumb characters who think they are far smarter than they are. Which
1: is my favorite... <laughs> my favorite <laughs> thing to watch. But they they do that. And then, yeah, again, just call them. But um, the mobster, the mob gets involved. And the way it cuts... It just cuts between them getting rid of Hugo's body to, like... Those guys interrogating people and and clearly looking for Hugo. I will yeah. say that at first, when they did that, I thought they were just showing like, I thought Hugo was one of those guys torturing someone, and I thought they were showing that he was a mob like enforcer. Mm-hmm. Took me a second to clue in. And I was like, wait, why would they be flashing back to him his his life as a mob enforcer? <laughs> yeah, I was
0: wondering that too. The first because in the first scene, they just the two guys just strangle a guy at an ATM. Yeah. So it just looks like they're robbing him. But then Which, yes, when they got the next scene where they've got the guy in the bathtub and he's like, Where's he go?
1: Yeah. It's it's but it's very quick and it's not it's 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 yeah. showing rather than telling. Exactly. Is what I really like. By the way, the ATM scene, Jason, you gotta give major props there because that's shot from in the ATM. That's very cool. I mean not actually, but you know but like, it looks so you, like
0: it you is. you see the the words that would be on the ATM screen.
1: And I love that like, uh, they, they bash the guy's head and the blood streams down. And then eventually yeah. it's like, thank you, next customer. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's great.
1: Not since Stephen King was told uh, uh, to, t- to eat shit <laughs> in Maximum <laughs> Overdrive, as an ATM had more uh, attitude. I think that tells him to eat shit. I don't remember.
0: Eh, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie.
1: I dare you. You should watch it every night for for education purposes.
0: Is that, my, is that my worst podcast ever? I just watch Maximum Overdrive every week oh, for a year. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> <sighs> so, you mentioned these three are very different. If you don't mind, Jason, I would like to put on my tiny film glasses. Please,
0: please, I invite you to.
1: Do you think these three characters are the three aspects of the psyche?
0: I think these three characters are the three aspects of the of God. They're the Father, they're the Son, and they're the Holy Spirit.
1: Are you just saying that to be funny? Hmm.
0: Yes, but there's three of them, so it's certainly possible.
1: But I mean, I do. I think that I think that Alex is kind of the human version of the id, mm-hmm. and I think Christopher Eccleston might be the. I think Christopher ego? Eccleston might be the super ego. I think Juliet might be the ego. Okay, but I don't, I don't know, know I enough just...
0: about Freudian psychology to tell you.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I just think i d I'll putting it out there. If anybody has seen this movie, which I well, feel like not a lot of people have, I
0: think I think I look at them as like so. So David is a character that starts off normal and grounded, and then over the course of the movie, he he's changed. He's he gets he gets meaner and more paranoid, and the money poisons him. And and he it's it's a thing that he does not want to be involved in really initially. He doesn't want anything to do with it, and then he gets involved. He doesn't want to actually have to deal with, you know, uh, cutting off the hands and feet of the body and smashing in his teeth. He doesn't want to do that. But he draws the short straw, and they f- he fucking does it, and that changes him.
1: Now you said the money changes. I don't think. I think what you said changes. I, I think
0: it's. I mean, I think it's it's a combination. Sorry, I should say. because yeah, it's obviously the fact that he murdered, not even murder a guy. He just that he he de- you know defiled a human corpse. Yeah, hit it. As well as taking this money, but and then realizing that the money is the root of the problem anyways, because he decides to kind of hold on to it and protect it.
1: Huh. well, it's almost like because like I think obviously what they do what the the fact that he has to chop up chop the body up, fucks him up um and 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 you know, fucks his whole psyche up forever. But also, like, and then when they when they have the money after, I think it's a thing where, like, well, I've done all this. Clearly, I need the money now, or I just did it for nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, He's. I think he's trying to find some way to justify the horrible thing he did,
1: uh, uh,
0: uh, uh, I guess, in the sense of the money. And, but it ends up that he's willing to go a step further, and he kills those two guys that come for him. I mean, they're going to kill him or take him somewhere, but well, he's, he's able to do it a lot easier.
1: Huh. Yeah, those are the two. Well, that's an interesting thing that Danny Boyle does, again, because you see the cross-cutting between them and the mob guys, and I don't know about you, but I thought, okay, these are like the main threats right here. Mm-hmm. And they show up, they put a Bag, a plastic bag over alex's face which always unnerves me that's mm-hmm. <laughs> always like a like an extra step like you yeah. could stab someone in the back a million times in a movie and i'm like okay but you put a plastic bag over their head and i'm like oh fuck yeah yeah exactly it's, it's extra like, uncomfortable. yeah it's next level so they do that and they get juliet down and then as soon as they go upstairs to the attic which is where david is he um well we just see them fall he hits them with a hammer and you're like oh well that element is out like, yep. unless we have more mob guys showing up later, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, it's like, it's sort of wrapped up with a bow at that point. Yeah. So Once they dispose of the bodies, which David does, David in does the same it. spot where he disposed of the first body.
1: But did you notice the other details? So the first time, you know, they cut the hands, they cut the feet, whatever, they break the teeth so that nobody can identify the body of Hugo. Yeah. But the second time, when David does all of that for the other two bodies, there's a news report and you hear that he actually took some skin off
0: yeah i remember that that bit but there was no like i wonder yeah there was no indication of what that meant or or well, what the purpose was i well, cuz i yeah i heard that and then it was like it was never resolved
1: well i just thought it meant it was, it was there to t- tell you that david is doing unnecessary things like he's enjoying it at that point it's almost possible
0: I mean, you could argue too that if there was skin removed, perhaps it was an identifying tattoo that needed to be taken off. Uh, I don't or know something
1: like that. I, I think I think that's to show. I think that's to show but he's gone yes. off the deep end even more. I
0: think you're probably right in this situation. It's probably yeah, because, demonstrating his
1: yeah because but, he starts he starts off not wanting to do it at all. Yeah, and now they're like. Also, this was this happened. And you're like, wait, or unless he's getting so paranoid that he's like, I have to take the skin off too because they could identify him with the skin. I don't know. Yeah. So now let's go back, back to that
0: moment where they find the dead body. David is obviously, uh, kind of like in shock, and you know I've never seen a dead body before except my grandmother, but she wasn't dead, which is a weird thing
1: to say. <laughs> but you I know think what? he when just met his shock. grandma was a vegetable.
0: Yeah. Um. Whereas the reaction of Alex and Juliet is much more flippant.
1: Oh, yeah. This guy's
0: fucking dead in their apartment, and they're just like... Alex just starts going through his shit.
1: <laughs> well, Alex, Alex is immediate, like, immediately like, oh, shit, how do you think he did it? Yeah. And then, of course, he eventually finds the drugs. And then uh, what's what's crazy is that... Um, and again, right there, I'm like, that's why I thought, oh, shit, Alex is going to be our main threat here. Because yeah. he... he seems to be a sociopath at this point yeah. um, but you're like no he's just not taking this situation seriously at all mm. um, and especially when they find the money he's the one that finds it and his eyes just light up but like, he's forgotten all about this dead body in seconds yeah and Juliet and got, is right and there then we've with got
0: Juliet him. who is a who is a medical doctor so it stands to reason that she wouldn't necessarily be devastated by finding a dead body in her apartment because it's something that she sees in the course of her work you know it's nothing new for her yeah but but also that yeah she's a bit glib in her reaction too and so yeah you're looking at this at the beginning and i was like actually cuz it's funny at the beginning of this movie with the whole like roommate thing i was like wait is this movie going to be about them just they're, they're like finding somebody to thrill kill like this is <laughs> like they're interviewing roommates but really they're just trying to find somebody to kill i no, thought they're that's just, where it might go
1: they're just trying to get uh, they're just trying to get a's on, in uh, class like dead men on campus style
0: Exactly. Yeah, they want to push the roommate a. to
1: suicide. Oh, Mark Paul Gossler.
0: Man, you are a fantastic actor. What? I also really like that guy who humped the couch
1: Lachlan Monroe.
0: Was that, was that him?
1: Yeah, that movie was funny when I was a kid. I don't know if it holds up so much.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I'm I not going to watch it ever again because I want that to hold up because I enjoyed that very much as a kid.
1: <laughs> you guys ever get horny? You just want to fuck this couch or hump yeah. this lamp? <laughs> not particularly. Yeah. Uh, Mark Paul Gosler. man on campus. Mark Paul Gosler to class. Wait, sorry, I should say Tom Everett Scott. Two yes. classic films, that one and American Werewolf in Paris.
0: <laughs> Would you say that Jack Quaid is the Tom Everett Scott of today, but more talented?
1: Sure. Alright. Is that Dennis Quaid's son? Yeah. Okay.
0: He's on the boys and Star Trek Lower Decks.
1: Oh, okay. So what were we talking about? We were
0: talking about the characters, uh yes. and, and how David David goes from normal guy to crazy motherfucker by the end of it. We've got Alex who appears initially to be a sociopath, but then turns out to maybe be a little less little less uh, crazy than we thought. Well but maybe Alex is,
1: Yeah, maybe Alex is throwing up more of a facade. Yes.
0: Uh, yes, one hundred percent. I think that's definitely part of it. I think I think shit really comes to reality when he gets clubbed in the shins with a crowbar twice. hmm uh, that really brings him brings him back.
1: Well, and you mentioned David crazy. Let's not jump over the. Let's not ignore the part where not only does he go and hide in the ceiling, but he yeah. drills holes. Which throughout. initially he's like, "Wait,
0: why is he drilling holes?" And then it turns out, "Oh, it's because he's spying on everybody." He's because that's paranoid.
1: He, yeah, because he wants to make sure that he wants to see when hear what they're doing at all times, and I mean it. It's such a cool shot because we've got all these little holes like in the attic or whatever and you just see like the light flashing up through the holes as he's like looking down and it gives him such a sinister look yes the the
0: shafts of light in the dust of the attic yeah um yeah and and he's like watching he's watching them get up and that's the thing is that sometimes when you see scenes down there and people are talking you can hear him moving around upstairs as they like move into a different room or something because he's trying to keep an eye on them yeah, he's, he completely cracks this guy. He's, um, but yeah, so they, they, this all eventually does come to a head and, uh, David tries, well, cause Alex, uh, initially goes up to the attic and looks for the money and does find it, but, um, can't take it with him and gets out of there and then they kind of get into it with David. Um, yeah, the, 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 the real big fight is at the end where David's going to leave, And then and not tell Juliet. And then Juliet comes out and is like, hey, you forgot to wake me up. Let's go. And then he's like, what about this? And pulls out the airline ticket she bought that we saw her buying earlier in the movie to go to Rio de Janeiro, a single ticket. But then Alex comes out. And I guess Alex wants to wants to at that point, seems like he just wants to mess with them, I guess, or protect her and says that he bought the tickets.
1: I think so no I think he wants to I think he wants to protect her because I think he genuinely thinks that David is going to well David does hit her. Yeah. At oh that David point. yeah
0: he fucking punches her. Yeah, straight yeah. up punches her. And I think
1: her. I think Alex does we that's what I mean. Like I don't think any of them are completely likable, but I do, it's mm. I do think we see a little humanity in Alex at least. Well,
0: David does throw the first punch and it is into Juliet's jaw. So, yeah. He's the bad guy at that point. But So he is. So they. uh, Alex jumps on his back and they end up tussling. And uh, David grabs a knife and stabs Alex in the shoulder. Yes. uh, Which looks quite painful. And is about to grab another knife and finish him off. And then Juliet stabs David through the throat. Which Which was.
1: Which was insane. I was not expecting that.
0: Not expecting that. Uh, And then uh, reach goes down to David. And you think, oh, she's going to help him up off the floor. No, she pushes the knife further into his wound and then hammers hammers it down with her shoe and basically stabs him to the floor. Yeah. um, And then takes off with the briefcase. And then we see her in the cab or whatever, and she opens up the briefcase. And this answers uh, uh, a thing that happened earlier that, because we we have a scene earlier where we see um, Alex with a bunch of newspapers that have the headline on it, like, Triple Corpse Horror when they find the bodies, and he starts ripping the the, uh, pages, like, the covers off. It's like, wait, what is he doing? And then we find out it's he made fake bundles of money and put it in there. And he put it under the floorboards in the house. So kind of the last shot of the movie we see is him lying on the floor smiling. And then we pan down through the floor and the money is underneath the floorboards. Which is something that I think, if I remember correctly, he suggested very early on in the movie. It's like, why don't we just put it under the floorboards rather than put it in the attic? No, he does. (laughs) That's exactly what he does.
1: Chekhov's floorboards.
0: And so it turns out he's ultimately the one that seemed to be the smartest because he knew where the money was, and they both were fucked. Well, she just ran to the airport because she knew she had to get out of there because she murdered a guy. Yeah, and David's dead. He didn't actually murder anybody, and now he's got the money, so Alex wins.
1: But he's gonna end up in prison.
0: Maybe. I mean, what, Maybe? for what crime?
1: Yeah, I don't know. He because he. I mean, he the cops stabbed. show up and he's got a knife in his shoulder. But <sighs> also,
0: by the way, yeah. what's with the, they're, they're like taking pictures of him on the floor. He's not dead unless, unless the implication is he is dead. And it's no.
1: like, a- so, so originally, um, Danny Boyle actually apparently reshot some of that scene because he originally shot it and, and, um, Alex didn't say anything. He just yeah. kind of looked up and the guys are there. Cause originally I thought, oh, he's imagining himself. He's imagining this, but he's actually dead. Like, yeah. like you know, they're they're looking at the bodies, kind of thing. I thought they were gonna cut to like, Ewan McGregor's just like lifeless corpse because I figured that he had been stabbed in the heart. Yeah. Um, but he he's uh, he, but he has a line that he says to the cops. I forget what it is, but he says something to the detectives. And Danny Boyle added that in later because he wanted the audience to know that he was not dead.
0: (laughs) Well, it doesn't help when (laughs) there's a cop in his face taking pictures and there's two ambulance attendants just standing in the background casually chatting with each other while he's on the floor with a knife pinned into his shoulder.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I I, I mean, I do think that's kind of funny.
0: (laughs) It is kind of funny, but it's also like, come on, guys, do your jobs. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, so David's dead. She's fled to Rio, and he hasn't killed anybody, and he's got a bunch of money. So I think he's in a good spot. And that's when he moves to Glasgow and starts doing
1: heroin. Oh shit! And
0: <laughs> and here we are.
1: Well, And then Pat, he yeah. moves back home with his parents. And then tw- and then like uh, uh, twenty five years later, he goes back and does heroin again once. Yeah, just once, for the fun. One time, just, just for fun. The fun of it. Um. One thing that really sticks out to me, like the, I think it gets it, it gets darker and darker as it goes on. But I don't know. I noticed that it gets more graphic as it goes on. The violence doesn't really increase like Hugo dies of an O.D. Obviously, there's not going to be like gore and stuff in that no. scene, but they're cutting up his body and all of that's off screen. It's just yeah, we, all we, like we see
0: like we see like the top of his head or something.
1: But like, but barely anything. Like it's mostly yeah. sound design, right? And and, yeah. and very good sound design. Like a very like squishy like you know, uh cutting up of body parts and everything. But then, and then later this, and then
0: we have that shot later where yeah, with the with the red where it's like the where he's in silhouette doing it and he's like I don't know if he's actually doing it or if he's hallucinating it or like thinking about it, but Yeah. I don't know if that's fl- and I don't know if that's specifically flashing back to the first time he did it or if that's the next time he did it.
1: But also later, um, when we get to the big fight at the end, like you said, there, uh, David gets stabbed in the neck and like it's brutal. Yeah. And you know, Alex is stabbed in the shoulder and it's brutal. Yeah. Like we see it, we see it, everything. So it's it's interesting. I wonder if he's like consciously b- r- uh, ramping that up as we go on because again it starts out it's very much like off screen minimal the mob guys you kind of see a little bit like you you definitely see, what what got me the most when those mob guys show up and are killed is their bodies just falling from the roof just the the yeah, and the sound of
0: it just them yeah. falling and
1: thunk, thunk. just yeah. brutal like you see david show up with the hammer and then you cut away and then they fall out of the out of the attic so it, it's interesting and again stylistically it's Danny Boyle like it doesn't strike me as anyone else this is his first feature and I'm like yeah. Danny Boyle is a man
0: who has watched pornography in his day and he knows you don't have the cum shot in the first two minutes you (laughs) gotta work you gotta work the shaft.
1: But I'm just saying that this is like like I'm just reiterating that his this is his style right away this is somebody who knows exactly the kind of movie they're making and uh, for better or worse, still making that kind of movie, <laughs> to be, yes. you know, to be honest. um, It's like uh, it's like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know it's a fucking Quentin Tarantino Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. When you Absolutely. watch a Danny Boyle movie, you know it's a Danny Boyle movie. Exactly. a director's I would, indelible stamp. Right. I would say, uh, you know, different from, like, if you watch, like, for example, Steven Soderbergh movie. Because he's always doing, like, all kinds of different shit. Like, he's, he's made Magic Mike and he's made, like, you know, Kimmy. And who's he's the David made
0: Bowie of film directors.
1: Traffic, and he's made you know, Ocean's Eleven, and all these different kinds of movies. Who, who's so, the
0: director who's made the most different movies? That's it. The David Bowie of directors, who's like reinvented himself with every picture. Is there such a director?
1: I would say, well, Jason, I think we know the answer to that is John Patrick Shanley. Of course. Well, yes, he's definitely all <laughs> over the place. That guy but the, from the the man who gave us Moonstruck and We're Back: A Dinosaur Story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, 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 Wild Mountain with, Time Wild Mountain Time, yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's all over the map um,
0: <sighs> I really want him to do a movie with Daniel Day-Lewis And that would be, our, that would be like our spirit movie Oh my if god If that happened
1: John Patrick Shanley is very old Please do this soon
0: <laughs> Please, please
1: Oh, we also made a weird movie with Kevin Klein Called The January Man Don't watch it It's fucking oh. terrible
0: Well, they can't all be winners, can they?
1: They should. They should be, Jason. They should be. They should be. Well, Jason, this movie is about 98 minutes or so. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pretty quick movie. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Danny Boyle many a time. I don't have a whole lot else to say overall at this point. Do you have anything you want to add?
0: No. I, if, if I have anything, it's probably in the uh, in the bits and the bobs.
1: Well, then let's just head on over to those bits and those bobs. But first... We are going to take a brief break, and we will be right back.
0: That's fucking age of radio.
1: Boom! Bits and bobs. Ow! That was me falling into a shallow grave saying bits and bobs.
0: Oh. Well, I like that. Good job, Brennan.
1: Bits and bobs, bits and bobs, Jason's gonna read you some... Of his bits and some of his bobs But you're not gonna look at his bits and bobs Unless you join the Patreon tier It's tier 78 For $850,000 You can see Jason's penis and his balls Penis and his balls Penis and his balls Jason, ask Katrina If it's okay if we make an $850,000 tier We can show your penis and balls Jason, bits and bobs
0: I mean, I don't care what she thinks. If, if I can get eight hundred and fifty grand for that, I'm down. It's also, I love that we have seventy-seven other tiers. <laughs> well,
1: you know, yeah, there's a lot.
0: They're and all just. I mean, it may not even be the top tier. Seventy-eight may not even be the top.
1: Uh, Eighty-three is the top one.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, I don't even want to know. What you don't want to know. What do.
1: You don't want to know what I do to you in that one. Oh no. Uh, so yeah, I wrote Danny Boyle
0: ass music and fast shot. We already talked about that, but yeah, Danny Boyle establishes, he says, this is me right out of the gate and we know who he is. Uh, I saw Christopher Eccles' name and I said to myself, fantastic. Cause I watched that doctor who season. Uh, that actually the music gave me a little bit of run, Lola run vibes, but that was not what this movie was at all.
1: Mm. I I like how in the beginning of the movie, uh, Alex is constantly trying to get laid um he tells uh he tells juliet at one point she says you know something about her f- her friend and he's like oh she should be our flatmate we had chemistry together and she yeah. says uh she hated you and he's like well she had problems
0: <laughs> yeah yeah as if and i mean this yeah maybe this is because this is a movie made in 1994 but it's like oh yeah so he just wants to use their roommate uh search to find somebody to fuck he wants to find a sex toy
1: well i also <laughs> again i also don't think out of the three, I know I did say that Alex has probably the most positive traits eventually. I don't think he is supposed to be a uh an angel by any means.
0: Hmm. No, certainly not. <laughs> when they're asking the questions, uh some of them are really funny to me. And when David says to one of the possible uh one of the possible guests, I think it's like, like a housewife looking lady, he goes, Do a little freebase maybe from time to time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where he got the idea to try heroin.
0: Yeah. Exactly, um, I wrote. Was that the dad from Billy Elliot? It was
1: the dad from Billy Elliot. Um, I got a question. How on this show we talked about Ewan McGregor a few times, like just in the mm-hmm. movies we've talked about. I don't think we've seen an, a completely unlikable Hugh McGregor character yet. Well, I mean, yeah, in Train Spotting, I, mean, I think he's a lot of fun. He has charisma. I mean, how many-
0: I feel like there's is is there a movie where he's played the villain like maybe early in his career? Or?
1: Uh, not early in his career, but he is the villain in Birds of Prey.
0: Uh, the The Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. Who does he play? Who's the villain?
1: A uh, black mask.
0: Black mask. Huh.
1: Yeah. So does he wear a black mask? Uh, at times he's also basically a narcissist.
0: The narcissist Lex Luger is uh, it based I on that character?
1: Fucking say that
0: he's my favorite wrestler the narcissist lex luger
1: oh i've heard yeah you love him five star matches all the time
0: uh at one point so we have a, a running bit where a juliet is always getting phone calls from people and she never wants to talk to anybody so she gets she even gets hugo who she doesn't even hardly know to answer the phone and say she wasn't there
1: uh, she does it as a test right she's yeah. like what would you do if someone called for me and he's like and, and somebody's like oh i give you the message she's like no <laughs> um
0: And then she's talking about some guy that on the phone and he's like, he's uh, he's not a patient, but he does need treatment for a certain weakness. And Hugo says the human condition. (laughs) Uh, And then we get some casual boobs. Uh, Carrie Fox gives us uh, a little taste.
1: You know, I didn't even I didn't even note that. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, they're just very they're very comfortable with each other. She just
0: opens the door, grabs the things she needs. We get a we get a little, we get a little taste, and then Alex closes
1: the door. I but at the same time, I think she knows what she's doing because Alex looks does look a little distracted by that.
0: <laughs> it's true. So I think it's <laughs>
1: like, oh yeah, I'll flaunt them right in front of you, and guess what? You ain't getting this.
0: He take it. You will take it, and you will like it. <laughs> uh, the writer guy was interesting. They described him as a, yeah. He, he said he was a writer, which is a great cover because nobody i mean how can you ever (laughs) if you say you're a writer you're a writer i guess Um, what
1: who says that oh i do i've said that if (laughs) if you say you're no no who's in the movie is a writer oh uh, hugo hugo says that
0: he's like a writer at one point just
1: as a cover i guess um i got a question uh does the money change them or heighten them
0: I would say the money definitely the money and everything around it changes David
1: I yeah. would say. Yeah. Well, and and other stuff too. Yes. Um,
0: Juliet it definitely heightens. Yeah.
1: She's I, I think I think she's the most consistent character throughout
0: this and she's mm-hmm. maybe the most coldest and most calculating.
1: Well, what really stands out to me is that moment where where her and Alex are kind of do are uh, kind of like backing off of David because they're afraid of him. Yeah. And then she goes with the, she goes up to David and starts like seducing him and like yeah. saying, you know, we should be back together and everything. And then Alex comes in and suddenly Juliet and David are on the same side because she's it's almost like she she's like, "Well, this guy's going to if it comes down to the a fight between the two of them, David's obviously going to take him out." Yeah. So I want to be she's on the winning side. Oh yeah. She knows how to she
0: knows how to work a room this girl.
1: Uh David has a line that I really like when uh Alex and Juliet starts spending the money and Alex, Alex is in drag by the way at this point yeah. in the movie just for fun. And uh, uh, uh David says what like what did you how much did you pay for this like the video camera and they're like 500 pounds. It 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 costs 500 pounds and he's like no no no. 500 pounds is what you paid for it. We don't know what it will cost us yet because yeah. he's he's worried that you know they're just going out and buying all this expensive shit. I mean, he has a point.
0: Yeah. It's going to start, start to look weird. People notice.
1: Yeah, it's going to start to look odd if you're just suddenly, you know, this lower-to-middle-class income guy going out and and spending all this money. Although I would argue that none of them are lower-to-middle-class income, and one's a chartered accountant, one's a doctor, and one's a reporter. I mean... Probably doing okay. Probably doing all right, yeah. Also, the money, i
0: got to say, I I love it when uh, a movie puts a little extra time into their props, and it's clear that they did with this because the money looks real. It looks like real circulation money that's been, like bundled up it's not it's because a lot of times in movies you get like a briefcase of money it looks like it's straight from the mint right it's because it's fake money it's because it's, yeah. been, it's been cut or whatever hasn't been ever been used looks brand new but this shit looks like it's been used
1: this looks like drug money oh they clearly took it and like damaged it a little bit yeah, first absolutely um, um alex clearly a fan of our podcast jason took one of our recommendations did you notice that what he was, was it? watching the original wicker man
0: oh right yes he was yeah and then and then later he was watching some football uh, and then a weird a weird game show called lose a million which I don't know if it's real I haven't looked it up but it
1: seemed real in this in this game show it's uh, you're not your your goal is not to win a million it's to lose a million
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah I like the uh, the oddly quirky detectives too we didn't really talk about <laughs> them but when the detectives are interviewing um interviewing i think david at one point one of them says to the other it's like you know i'm gonna write this down he's like do you want me to use <laughs> and he's like yeah my partner's gonna write it down he's gonna use numbers or words it doesn't really matter and he's like "What? Well, by the way what are you gonna use both sir oh very good very good
0: <laughs> yeah they're like they're, they're weird we there's a they're a bit weird and they're they're kind of hard-boiled too where these yeah. guys are like this this detective clearly knows what he's doing and is very unsettling in his role yes uh so when they're deciding what to do with the body, the line that made me kind of chuckle was um, uh, Alex says to Juliet when she's like, I couldn't do that. She's like, Juliet, you're a doctor. You kill people every day. <laughs> and it's like, well, and she's like, well, it's not like that. It's like, well, yeah, she doesn't murder people. And also, you guys didn't kill this guy. This guy died on his own.
1: Exactly. Uh... Uh, my last note, I just want to mention, I know you have a few more, but my last note is just that I like the irony uh towards the end of the movie when Alex finds out that he's been given the story of a lifetime to cover uh <laughs> the, the murders that they committed yeah <laughs> or that David committed to the bodies that
0: yeah that they buried one of them and David put the other two out there
1: yeah um and he shows that, up as a reporter he shows yeah. up as a reporter in just like a ma- like a f- pound of flop sweat. Yeah, <laughs> just like I'm like, man, you he may as well have like worn a sign around his neck that said guilty. And, and then
0: he ducked out in the middle of the press conference with the police inspector. So that, you know, as if that didn't look suspicious, And he's like running back to his car.
1: Right. Again, these guys, these three are kind of idiots.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we get that nice moment where Cameron. Well, they're 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 at a fundraiser and they're at the table drinking. And, and Cameron is one of the waiters, the, the redheaded guy from earlier. And yeah, he comes over and they and fucking Alex fucks with them a little more and patronizes him. And then he goes into the bathroom to take a piss and Cameron comes in and beats the fuck out of him. <laughs> and we see him the next day injured and hungover. Yep. I like it. And I, actually, Alex is, because it's a Scottish movie, right? Alex is drinking Iron Brew, which is the national drink of Scotland. One of the only places in the world where uh, a local drink outsells Coca-Cola. Oh, wow. It's an orange drink. You can get it up at uh, Scoop and Save. Still around? You could get it there. Okay. Uh, yeah, when Alex is dressed as a lady, it's because they bought that camera and they were making their own movie. I think that was the main reason he was dressed as a lady. Mm-hmm. And you know that's a classic British uh, a hobby: is dressing as a lady.
1: It's yeah. It's it's a it's a cla- I mean, it's a it's it, a lot of British comedy is. You know, cross dressing, yeah.
0: And I recently saw a picture that was quite lovely. Of during World War II, the boys were doing a drag show, and they got a. There was a an alert, and they had to go man their aircraft gu- anti aircraft gun. And all these guys are wearing pink dresses with helmets on <laughs> as they're manning this anti aircraft gun. It was quite funny. Where's that movie? Yeah, that no, exactly. Where is that movie? Oh, but you, you can't know, even you can't even... make
1: it in these woke times. <laughs> Loosely, loosely base it on that and turn it into a movie where they actually have to fully go to battle in their dresses um, I wasn't okay
0: so first off I'm not sure why there's a big thing of water up in the attic maybe that's like a holdover from old times in Britain and it was like a rain catcher of some sort but uh, don't don't quite get that and then he stores the money in the water which I guess is a good place to hide it but he has to bag it up and seal it up or whatever I was kind of wondering why he did that. I guess the only real reason I could see and we see it later on is that if somebody tries to steal it, their hands get wet. So if if you've wet hands, then I guess you would. uh...
1: Yeah, I never really put that together. I just was like, I guess that's just a symptom of his poisoned mind. I don't know. Could be. I mean, it's a place to hide because why
0: would you think to look in the in the rain barrel or whatever?
1: Yeah, I was I was wondering at at some point I was like, oh, man, is he going to open that and the money's just going to be floating around in there? He must have sealed it good, because the money was dry. As a bone.
0: I thought maybe he would fuck those holes, but no, he just used them to spy on them.
1: You always think somebody's going to fuck the holes.
0: Well, when there's holes
1: around, I mean, it's always a uh,
0: it's always a, uh, a possibility. It's an option. It's an option. Yep. Uh, oh, and at one point, the po- they have that moment with the police where David's being interviewed, and they think that four people live there, and he says three. And he keeps asking them, who told you? there were four people here which i mean come on like that's the most like suspicious thing you could say at that point you keep asking who told you as if they're going to tell him which they didn't
1: (laughs) but again at least in david's uh, david's uh part though he has like pretty much fully lost his mind yeah Yeah, like the other two are doing dumb shit uh and seem to be otherwise pretty much have their wits about them
0: well, and, I, and of course, uh, uh, Juliet is encouraging Alex to do dumb shit because ultimately she wants to fuck him over. Yeah. And she And to the point where she like calls him smart. It's like somebody starts talking about how smart you are. you got to be suspicious of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, at one point, too, when we see Alex at the office, he's got his laptop open, and he, and he starts writing like a death confessional. Like, uh, in the event of my death, the following facts should be known, but yeah. then he doesn't get to finish it um yeah and then we get that final scene that's pretty much all I have there for notes
1: uh so okay well yeah that's all I have too so I guess I'll just go through a few uh additional things about this movie please tell um me. the shooting for this uh of this movie co- uh, lasted 30 days uh very tight budgetary restraints uh meaning uh that basically they had to auction off all the props. Uh, for them to afford some sufficient film stock uh, to get the movie finished. Jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, Danny Boyle actually claims. So we didn't mention this too, but there's kind of a uh, a wraparound story, or I guess what what there's a term for it where you start later in the movie and then you kind of come back to it.
0: Well, yeah, where we see we see David's face at the beginning of the movie. What's that
1: term? What's that term?
0: Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it's not in media res. It's
1: kind. Of, no, we, I think that's what it is
0: yeah i mean that's usually where you, that that's more like train spotting where you start in the middle of the action like where they're yeah, running. yeah, yeah. well Whereas anyway this is this is more like starting at the, i don't know
1: either way we start off with christopher eccleston laying down and we hear his voice um we later find out that he's narrating from beyond the grave but in that scene uh where he's being like loaded into the into the mortuary and they 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 push him to push the cart in um he uh, had to get a crew member to stand in the shadows and comfort him. He was so claustrophobic and so nervous about that scene. Uh, it took a lot of uh, it took a lot of chatter and uh, and convincing to do that. Uh, Shallow Grave not only the debut for director Danny Boyle but also the debut for writer John Hodge, uh, John Hodge who also wrote Train Spotting. Uh, a Life Less Ordinary, The Beach, basically Danny Boyle movies. <laughs> yeah. He also did, uh, of course, the sequel to Train Spotting as well. Um, so they both, uh, both debuted here. Um, Danny Boyle actually insisted that Christopher Eccleston, Ewan McGregor, and Carrie Fox lived together for a week prior to oh. shooting. And cool. uh, it, uh, funny enough, Christopher Eccleston later wrote that the only thing they learned from each other was that they all didn't like each other. <laughs> so... With kudos to the actors yeah. because it seems like they all get along. <laughs> they, they, yeah,
0: exactly. They, they, get over whatever real life prejudice they might have.
1: I think they. I think they're just. I. I don't know if it's the thing where they were all like it was. It was a scandalous thing. I think they were just very all very different people that didn't really live together well.
0: There are lots of people I'm friends with that I don't think I would get along well with if I lived with them.
1: Yeah, or I'm sure there's people you're friends with that you know wouldn't be friends with each other.
0: Exactly. Yes, yeah. for sure.
1: Um, the film actually was pretty heavily criticized at the time for its uh, cold kind of characters. And Danny Boyle basically responded by saying that building plausible characters is something that pleases intellectuals, but audiences in general don't invest as much into the characters in a film. Mm. That was his response at the time. Um, I they would had- even
0: argue, too, like it, it's one thing if you have a longer medium, like if you have something like a, like a serialized TV show to really dive into characters. But in a movie, it can be tough. You know, you only got... Two hours, or in this case, ninety minutes. So you have to hit the hit the marks that matter.
1: Well, it's this thing too, where people are like, "Well, there wasn't any likable characters." I don't care. It's okay. That's if not the movie's good.
0: You can get over it.
1: <laughs> you don't need uh, you don't need characters to be likable. You just need them to be interesting.
0: You may not you may not have a movie expecting like mainstream success, and this movie didn't like do Avengers numbers at the box office. But that's okay. Yeah. It's not supposed to.
1: Um, there was a stuntman that walked off the set. Uh, due to lack of payment, right before the shooting of the final fight scene. So that whole final fight scene, it's all real, baby. All the actors shooting all nice. their own parts. Um, I don't know the, <laughs> I don't know the details of the of the not being paid, but you know yeah. it is what it is. Um, this movie was received well. It was the most commercially successful British film of 1995 with a gross of 5.2 million pounds. Um, it wow. only made about 2.8 million in the US but overall uh the movie cost 2.5 million dollars like US if you if you make it US numbers mm-hmm. and made about 20 million US so it oh. did did fairly well that's a that's a good return for a movie that i again i've never heard of yeah <laughs> absolutely um awesome. on rotten tomatoes uh it has a 71% uh, says This black-humored thriller features characters who are more obnoxious than clever. During the second half, the movie descends into gratuitous violence. Um, Empire Magazine gave it a 5 out of 5 and said, This, the debut feature from acclaimed TV director Danny Boyle, is the best British thriller for years, a chilling and claustrophobic heart centering on a moral dilemma destined to fuel many a dinner party conversation. Uh, The Independent wrote, What makes this film fascinating and exciting is its marriage of British setting and American B-movie format. And Variety magazine said it's a tar black comedy that zings along on a wave of visual and scripting inventiveness. However, they were not all positive. In fact, one of the most famous critics of all time, Roger Ebert, gave this movie a two out of four and said, All the materials are in place, but somehow they never come together And then the New York Times uh, was also critical of the movie and said, misanthropy overwhelms his film in ways that prove more sour than droll, despite the presence of skillful actors and a bizarrely enveloping plot. Um, This does not go to the Oscars at all. This does go to the BAFTAs, and it wins one award. Uh, Best Picture. Close. It wins Uh, Best British Film. Oh. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but Jason, I want to know what you think, and I want to know uh, if you think it's going on a list. We've to through a, a, a few Danny Boyle movies. What do you think? Is,
0: this is a strong debut. <laughs> this is a really good movie. Um, I enjoyed it. Love the actors in it. Um, I don't think it's as good as Spotting, and I don't think it's as iconic as Trainspotting. It's, it, this is a, like I say, this is a fantastic debut movie, but if we're talking a list of greatest British movies of all time, I think Trainspotting is going to be on there. I think if, if if especially if it's like well we get, we can only have one Danny Boyle, it's got to be train spotting. And I don't know that that even shallow grave would be my number two Danny Boyle pick. I think probably twenty eight days later would go with that. Uh, but that's not to say this isn't great. I really enjoyed this movie. It was then it's ninety minutes, so it's taut. Uh, 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 some fun performances, some good gore. Can't argue with that, Brendan.
1: Yeah, I I would say that it's a it's it's a good movie. Um, again, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it, I don't think it, you know, I don't think it belongs in the list of like best ever, but it's certainly a solid movie. Um, and it, again, it, much like you said, if I had to, if I got one Danny Boyle, it would be Train Spotting, And if I got two, it would be 28 Days Later. And if I got three, it'd probably be this, because I probably wouldn't put Slumdog on there, but, um... But, but but yeah, I don't th- I don't think it needs to be on this list though but it, it's a certainly a good movie. Certainly it's a great
0: it, it's a great debut movie because it's really good and it was it was recognized. I mean it got past British film that year but it's mm-hmm. also it, 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 there's still room for him at that point because you have to think about those directors that debut with their like magnum opus and then they never make anything as good. like
1: it's also hard to justify against three against two or three other movies that are very well known. And mm-hmm. very good. That are cultural icons
0: that are embedded into the very, like, fabric of the culture. Yeah. Where it's is not.
1: Well, I mean, certainly, Transpotting and 20 Days Later, Slumdog yeah. Millionaire may have fallen off the map a little bit yeah, but in I, terms agreed, of that.
0: Agreed, But for a period, it certainly was part of the cultural fabric.
1: Right. That's like when the artist won all those awards, and yeah. then who fucking remembered what the artist was, like, 10 months later? Yeah,
0: exactly. Should watch <laughs> uh, that sometime. A
1: movie I still want to see. Yeah, me too. Um. So yeah, I I mean, it doesn't. It's it. I, it would be ridiculous to move either of those two movies off to make way for this one because it just doesn't have the cultural cachet. Mm. But it's good. I enjoyed it.
0: Watch. You can't. If you want something good to watch, you can't go wrong with this movie.
1: Give me something good. Oh. Give me something good to watch.
0: And you could. You this movie would fill that uh, role. (laughs)
1: But Jason, now we come to the point of the show where we do something a little crazy. A little weird. A little out there. A little spooky. What are we going to do? We
0: are going to spin the Wheel of Fate. The Wheel of Fate decides what the next movie we watch is. So, oh blessed wheel, give us your spin and let us
1: know what we shall watch next week. It's kind of like the Wheel of Fortune, but less right-leaning. Exactly. Exactly. And this wheel will not pose for pictures of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I assure you of that.
0: But we don't have our own van
1: of white. It's just me and Brendan. So sorry. Sorry. But here we go. Spin, 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 spin. What is it going to land on? What are we gonna do? Okie dokie. Jason, we're gonna we're gonna completely shift gears. Okay. I'm and, and and right and you know what? That's a great pun for what we're going to talk about because we are going to talk we are going to watch and discuss Days of Thunder? N- no. Oh. The documentary Senna.
0: Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. I've seen this documentary before in the last 3 or 4 years, so I'm excited oh. to watch it again.
1: I have not. I have not oh, seen good. it. I'm excited. Good. I know of his tragic ending and that yes. is it. Um so there you go. We'll talk about Senna. Another uh, our last, I believe, documentary on this list, um, and uh, and talk about it. And of course, you'll get Jason's hot take about documentaries apparently not being movies. Um, <laughs> so we'll get we'll they get to that count. again. Nobody counts. <laughs> but that's that. So you know, find us all over the web. We're on we're on websites all over the place. Use Check your it, Google we're, Chrome.
0: We're in all your favorite web rings. Be sure yeah, to sign our guest
1: book. Don't use Internet Explorer, you fucking caveman.
0: No, you use Netscape Navigator like a fucking pro.
1: That's right. And get your GeoCities account started up. It's free. <laughs> for now. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, find us. You know, we're on Facebook. Just search for us there. Uh, you can find us on all the podcast apps, but our home base is... Is Age of Radio. Uh, but if you want to find us on any other podcast app, just type in the search bar. You just type for screen. And country. Uh if you want to find us on Twitter, it's F S A C pod as in for screen. And country. Podcast. And that is in no way endorsement of the current Twitter, but we're still on there for the time being, so we're still check there. us out
0: it's 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 sort of the internet town square it is what it is
1: it It is what it is it'll all fall apart soon everyone's gonna die
0: that really depends on what the meaning of is is
1: i don't like where this is going so i'm just gonna say jason where can they find you
0: they can find me over on the twitter and you can find me on hive at jason d mcleod that is m-a-c-l-e-o-d so yeah do that
1: yeah do that and he'll tell you where you can find his uh briefcase of money mm.
0: it's at the end of the rainbow oh I said too much
1: <laughs> oh that's so so specific and detailed I, I'm not actually a leprechaun
0: and that's not why I like Irish people
1: <laughs> Jason's just made himself into a stereotype uh, so there you go <laughs> so that's it so we'll say ta-ta for now join us next week for Senna and uh, I guess uh, as we just wrap things up here I guess I just got to say to you God save the king. And for Screening Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. I wish the queen were around. Her puns are more fun. Yeah, the king's a real stick in the mud.
0: was down who is at and you okay you okay you okay any and you okay you okay you okay any and you okay you okay you okay any and you okay you're okay, stress you okay? you okay, you okay? you you're okay and a sign of a window they should you i yeah.